Russian uh, missionary. Uh, he was uh, in the Carpathian Mountains, and he was seeing all these things, and you can kind of see the first two verses, and, um, and then in, in, he said it wasn't really complete uh, until he had the third verse, and he kind of was coming over kind of a, a, um, uh, kind of a top of a hill, and he looked down into the valley, and he saw this town, and this town was full of people who did not know Jesus. Uh, so he, he wrote this word, and what I think that God, his son not sparing, Send him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. So I, this song has been sung in churches for, um, for centuries, right? It's a, it's a wonderful hymn, but I never really liked it. Uh, especially the first two verses. Uh, the first two verses just seemed, they didn't really give it a whole lot of wonder and awe for me, just because it was just talking about creation. Um, you know, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds that hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, that power that throughout the universe displayed. Uh, and then the second one, uh, when through the forest glades I wander, I hear the birds sweetly singing, uh, sing sweetly in the trees, when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze. Uh, and really early on in, in my ministry, still as a Christian, I would hear that. And I'm kind of like, give me the gospel, right? Give me the, give me the blood. Give me the, the cross. Give me the resurrection. Why are you giving me birds singing sweetly in the trees in these forest glades? I, I wander. Uh, and really, as you read through the scriptures, what you realize is that God uses creation as one of the main reasons of why he should be praised and obeyed. And we see that even tonight. So uh, chapter uh, verses 1 and 2 of that, of that hymn are beautiful about God's creation. And because of what God creates, we should worship him. And then we see that we can do that because of verse 3 in our God dying for us. So tonight, I want to kind of take a walk through creation. And really just have our hearts marvel at what God has, has created. Uh, if you want to, maybe later this evening, read Genesis 1 and read Psalm 104 together. Uh, really what the psalmist is doing here in Psalm 104 is he's basically walking through Genesis chapter 1, day 1, day 2, day 3, and he's kind of meditating on it in, in song. And his heart is singing to the Lord for his creation. So let's go with this text again tonight, these first verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariots. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. Even the beginning of the psalm is this, the same refrain as we saw last week, bless the Lord, O my soul. Uh, our hearts should be filled with uh, praise and blessing to God for what he has made and the, the creation he has, he has given us. Uh, and when you look at this creation and the, the, the immensity of it, the ocean and the sun and the, and the giant trees and the, and the long roll, rolling uh, prairies, uh, what, what you should do is you should marvel at its bigness. And we just see that in, even in the bigness of our earth, God is bigger still. And that should give our hearts hope and joy. 
Look at verse 5 in terms of this unpacking of the creation narrative. He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment, and waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they took to flight. The mountains rose and the valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass, so they might not again cover the earth. Uh, we see this, these waters are above the earth, and God, at, the, at his word, caused them to fall. He caused the mountains to spring up, and he called the valleys to be formed, and it said that he set the boundary of the seas. Uh, and there's a, there's a story, I think it's an ancient king. Um, if I was more well-prepared, I'd probably give you the a- actual name. <laughs> Forgive me for that. Uh, but he was, his people were start, started calling him uh, a god uh, because of his leadership and his, his role as a king. And he, he stepped to the edge of the ocean and said, Stop! Stop! And he turned and he says, I am not the one who can stop the seas and the waves, right? That is only the Lord. Stop calling me God. It says here that God is the one who set those boundaries. And every time you walk along that shoreline, you should think that, oh, this is the Lord's doing. The Lord has established these boundaries. And only the Lord has done this. Verse 10, you make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Over the summer, uh, John David and I climbed, um, did some hiking in uh, Grayson National Highland State Park. Isn't that right, Nate Mylander? Uh, It's a wonderful place with wild ponies and wild uh, cattle. And they were completely content out there in the fields, right? Uh, They got a little close to me, and it might have been the worst night's sleep of my entire life, right? But I didn't have to worry about feeding these cattle. I didn't have to worry about feeding the the, the ponies. Why? It's because God does. God takes care of every beast of the field. It says, Beside them the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You know, I think that a psalm like this is especially important for us is because we often don't appreciate creation enough because we're kind of built not to. We're built to, to, to look at man-made things, our, our phones, our computers. We're, we're more apt to get into our cars to go to a place than maybe even walk or be on, on a bike. We're kind of trained in our American society not to enjoy all that's around you, but get from point A to point B as fast as you can. You know, it's been a joyful thing this, this summer just seeing all the fruit and the vegetables that have been brought in uh, from the produce of the fields of Park Baptist Church, right? The gardens of the church. And uh, every time we see those things that we're called to cultivate and enjoy the good food that the Lord has, has given us. And I think we need to, to create a longing in our hearts for God's creation. And I'm no, I'm no different You know, sometimes I'm so busy going from point A to point B, doing the next thing, that I don't stop, I don't slow down, I don't enjoy. Uh, This morning, uh, Ellen and I were taking a walk, and uh, right before we we began our normal prayer time, I just kind of stopped talking for a moment and listened to all those birds just 
singing and whistling and all those different noises that are happening, all the different creatures that God has made. And you know what it caused my heart to do is to wonder at the Lord, to be amazed at our God. Look at verse 14. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and the plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. Isn't it a wonderful thing to, to have a piece of bread, right, uh, with a friend? There's something beautiful about having food and rejoicing food from the land and just being with one another. Um, verse 16, the trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests and the stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats and the rocks are a refuge for the rock badger. You know, when you read through the story of Genesis, what do you see? You see God's created the animals and he created the birds and he created the fish in the sea. And oftentimes we just move on. Do you ever just stop and think about all that the Lord has created? And this is what the psalmist is doing. He's, the high mountains are the wild goats. The rocks are the refuge for the rock badgers. It's almost like it was designed this way. That the animals have their, their place and their, their enjoyment. Then he talks to the, to the moon and the sun. The moon made, he made the moon the mark to mark the seasons, and the sun knows it's time for setting. You make darkness and it is night when all the beasts of the forest creep about. That's true and scary if you're in the darkness. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until evening. Just a beautiful picture of how the world works, right? The night goes down and what happens? People go, uh, the animals go out and they, they, they roam the fields and look for food. And uh, the, the, the sun comes up and man wakes and goes into his, his labor. Verse 24. The summary statement, oh Lord, how manifold are your works. Have you ever just had a really bad day and you're stressed and overwhelmed with everything you have going on? Maybe you should just walk outside and sit for five minutes. Don't take your phone. Let no one contact you. Just sit and look at creation. Examine the birds. See how the grass which is here for a moment and then tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Uh, look at how the birds don't worry about what they're going to eat. And then remind yourself that you shouldn't worry either because the Lord's got this. The Lord is kind to us, beloved. Oh, how manifold are the works of God. It says, in wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things, both small and great, and I love this. There go the ships, the Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. Isn't that beautiful? But the Lord God created this animal to play in the seas. Oh, it's beautiful, the handiwork of God. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When they give it to them, they, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away your breath, they die and return to the dust. When you stand forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. God alone gives life. 
God alone is in charge of the seasons. God alone is the charge of the crops. I mean, you see that all throughout history in terms of when famines come and when famines end and when rain comes and when rain ends. We know this is the hand of God. You know, if you look at what the evil one wants to do uh, with the education of our children, you know, we are not able in our public school system to teach the creation account. That is deemed outside of bounds. Uh, we have to look at a more scientific method. Well, why is that? Well, because if we take out creation, we take out a creator, and therefore we have no accountability. This has been traced all the way back from Voltaire when, when, when there was a shift where God was the one who was the judge and we as man were the ones who answered to him. Well, during the Enlightenment, that flipped and man became the judge and looked down upon God and judged him for all the things that he did. You trace that out. Now we don't even need God. We don't need, need a creator or a divine being who is behind uh, the world. We want no creator because we want to be served and honored. And we want to answer to no one. But that's not the way the psalm ends, is it not? This psalmist looks at all creation. I pray that all of us look at all creation and do what? Our hearts should praise God for who he is and what he's done. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. I will praise God for his creation. I will praise God for the trees. I'll praise God for the, the seasons. I'll praise God for the fish that jump out of the river. I'll praise God for the butterfly and the, the caterpillar. I'll praise God for the hornets and the mosquitoes, right? Because God is a creative God. He's a beautiful, powerful, creative God. Verse 34 and 35. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. I think it's a, almost a command for us that we should meditate on creation. You know, I, I, I see a lot of this um, anxiety and depression kind of growing in our society. And I think the, 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 the root is we're not outside enough. We're not looking at creation. We're not meditating on God's handiwork. I promise you, it is, it is food for the soul. It causes our hearts to rejoice in God. We become smaller and smaller, and God becomes bigger. And when God becomes bigger, guess what? So our problems become smaller too. And let, listen to this, verse 35. Let the sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Wait a second. This doesn't seem to be fit here, does it? You have all this creation account and the rock badgers and the, the lions and, and the birds singing sweetly in the trees and, and then you get to this, let the sinners be consumed from the earth. Let the wicked be no more. Well, why is that? Well, because God made it plain to them that he is the creator of the world and he alone. If you reject God and you do not give thanks to him, 
Because you exchange the, the glory of the ormodal God for, for images of lesser things, even yourself. You don't deserve him. God is a creator. He is transcendent. But we thank the Lord that even though he was creator, he came to us. So just as we close, turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. The only hope for us uh, as sinners that we would not be consumed is that our creator, the same one who spoke the world into existence, came to us to rescue us from our sins. And we see this in Colossians chapter 1 about the Lord Jesus. Verse 15, Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, the preeminent one. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth and visible, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Jesus Christ created everything, the rock badgers and the birds and the trees and the seas and the sun and the moon for his glory. He created you and me for his glory. This world has been corrupted by sin. We have been corrupted by sin. But the Lord is not done in his creative power. He has he's moved on from his creative power to do his recreating power through his church. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to make recon to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. When God looks at this world, he doesn't like to see its corruption. When God looks at you and me, he doesn't want to see our corruption. So he came to the cross. And he said, I want it back. And he took all the wrath of God on the cross, was dead and buried, and then he rose from the dead. The same spirit that created this world, the same spirit that cre recreated you and me, rose him from the dead. And one day, beloved, our Lord shall return. He shall recreate all this earth. And we, as his people, shall not be consumed because we have the peace of Jesus Christ. Oh, friend, if you are not a believer in Christ, look at this creation. You have no excuse not to see his power and his majesty. And know that if you don't turn to Christ, you will be consumed by that power. But Jesus Christ today offers you peace. He lived, he died for you and rose so that you could find peace with God. Father, we thank you for the peace that you have purchased through your blood. We thank you that you are the creative God and that you are the one who recreates us in your, in your image by your spirit. We pray, God, that we would marvel at your creative hand. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's only fitting as we